With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up, Open Floor Globe? This is Ben Golver with the Washington Post. I am joined on the other line by Michael Lapod Pina, who writes about basketball for GQ and 538. Michael, we are taping this uh, on a Thursday morning. We are basically into day three of the great 2020 election watch. Uh, still no decision quite yet on who's going to be president of the United States, but I'm curious because you're a big 538 guy, uh, and I know they're you know neck deep into this entire uh, morass of polling data and uh, you know ballots and all this different stuff. How have your last three days gone? Has it been an emotional roller coaster? Are you over there just trusting your own personal model about the election? I mean, what's up, man? How are you doing? I'm doing okay, I think, as well as anyone who wanted the election to go in one particular uh, direction can be feeling right now. I mean, election night was terrible. Um, I saw some rage posting from you. I I saw a couple of, uh, I don't know if it was tweets or Instagrams. I just remember, you know, maybe thinking about a wellness check for Michael Pina. Yeah, the the election night was bad, but I had done a lot of reading leading up to um, election day, and so I was kind of prepared for the, quote, red mirage that was going to kind of hit the country where we hadn't counted the mail-in ballots and kind of the early voting ballots um, beforehand. So I knew that it was going to take a while and there would be a trickle. But at the same time, I also told myself that Trump was going to lose Florida at like eight o'clock and then I could go to bed. So I was a little upset, even though I tried to prepare myself mentally. Were you able to sleep? I mean, how'd that go? I was, yeah, I would say I I slept probably better than Nate Silver did (laughs) on election (laughs) night. Yeah. People need to lay off the data, guys, man. I saw way too many hate tweets. And look, maybe we're, uh, you know, maybe people would say, yeah, you guys are data dorks, too. So, of course, you'd stand up for your own. Um, I mean, look, the polls were not precisely right, but polls are never precisely right. I think it really, you know, tweaked everyone's expectations really hard, especially on uh, Tuesday night, like you're describing. For me, 
I just hope that they can get a resolution here very quickly. I think it's better for the country if they can, uh, you know, call this thing as soon as it's, you know, accurate and, and hopefully everything's counted. And I just want to congratulate any of our uh, listeners who went out and voted or helped at polling stations. I know I heard of a, uh, from a bunch mm-hmm. of different people who did that. Very, very cool. Congratulations on your activism. It is appreciated. And, uh, and hopefully we'll be able to check back next week, Michael, and maybe we'll have a president. <laughs> <laughs> Um, In other news, let's just talk about the NBA. Look, we're also waiting on a vote um, or at least a decision from the NBA players and the owners this week. Um, I think we've actually run through the state of those conversations fairly well. I think at this point, the expectation is the players are going to go along with the December 22nd start date, which is sort of Mm -hmm. what we anticipated earlier this week. So I was hoping we could just have a more fun conversation today, a lighter conversation today, Michael dig into some trade talks, maybe some draft takes, just some general speculation about, you know, God knows what. Let's get your uh, tinfoil hat on, you know, get yourself nice and prepared here for your big uh, your big moment. And let's start with what I think was the news of yesterday, coming from Sham Sharania of The Athletic, that the New Orleans Pelicans are openly discussing Drew Holiday in trade talks. Now, he's been a guy who's kind of a, uh, you know, a fake trade or a trade machine mainstay, I would say, for years and years. He's a a, a yep. veteran point guard or, or two guard, depending on how you want to use him, who just fits in a lot of different situations, doesn't necessarily have to be a number one guy, can play off of a superstar uh, if you've already got a superstar, is very popular among his uh, fellow NBA players, um, great guy on and off the court. There's a lot to like there. He's had a pretty big salary for quite a while, and I think that has maybe uh, made it more difficult for New Orleans to trade him potentially in the past, but at the same time, you know, you, you could definitely say from his leadership perspective and just a stability perspective in recent years, uh, he's earned that number, even if it's maybe a little bit too rich for my preference in terms of what he's bringing to the table. First of all, do you view Drew Holiday as a pretty attractive trade piece? And which types of teams do you think should be interested in him before maybe we get into some specific fake trades? I'm really glad that you started this conversation like that. Um, because the question I was going to ask you is, is Drew Holiday overrated at this point? And I I like Drew Holiday. I totally can comprehend what he brings to the table. And I, you know, anyone who can defend like he does, anyone who is as positive a locker room pr- uh, presence as he is, um, anyone who can get buckets kind of on a whim and against anyone in one-on-one situations is really valuable. And he's got great vision and he's a pretty good shooter, not a great shooter, a pretty good shooter. Um, But like, I feel like he's not necessarily the type, like I don't consider him a star. Do you, do you consider him a star? Because he's made one all-star team in his career. Well, he would have made more if he was in the Eastern conference. We know that for sure. I mean, it's just the bar is so much lower out there. Anybody can be an (laughs) all-star in the Eastern conference. Um, no, I don't quite consider him a star. I think he's really uh, good. I wouldn't say great. On this issue of overrated, underrated, mm-hmm. I think still the casual basketball fan would underrate him. I think NBA Twitter would overrate him. So the truth is probably uh-huh. somewhere in the middle. I would love there to be an international basketball rating system where we could all just you know assign a guy a number and then we could you know know once and for all or is that number overrating or underrating because so much of that conversation depends on um, who you're talking with right Um, Mm -hmm. but I do think that 
he is the type of player, theoretically, who fits with so many different types of teams, really has no red flags at this point because he's held up pretty well from an injury perspective after you know dealing with some issues earlier in his career. You're not going to get a lot of like hate from from within the basketball community, and I think that he's better than a lot of teams' point guards, and he plays defense a lot better than a lot of teams' point guards. So when you're looking around the league, and you know guys are trying to you know think who should we target, I think he comes up on people's list frequently because he's got some skills that you know a lot of other guys lack, and that just you know leads his value maybe to be propped up online a little bit more. I do think you know in the interest of balance. The Pelicans sucked last year without Zion, you know, flat out. And they had some pretty good players. And, you know, Drew's out there on the court and they're sucking. So he's not a kind of player who's going to uh, change your team and just like, you know, will you to a, uh, a plus 500 record and carry you into the playoffs if he's got an average supporting cast. I mean, he had Brandon Ingram uh, as an all-star. He had Lonzo. I mean, there was other pieces down there and they, you know, lost for an entire month straight practically, right? So I do think that there's a, a need to be a little bit um, careful in assigning value to him. Yeah, that's I, I fall in line there and I don't want to be too critical because I do like Drew Holiday. I just think he's propped up a little bit uh, to a little loftier standards than he probably should be. And he's also 30 years old, which we should keep in mind going forward based on um, the contract and the fact that he's going to be or can become a free agent next summer if he wants to opt out of his current deal. Um but yeah, I mean, it, this is an interesting one. It's kind of an expected candidate, as you said, where the New Orleans Pelicans are potentially, I don't think they're going to be rebuilding per se, but um, they're young. Uh, they did not make the playoffs last year. They were one of the most disappointing teams in the bubble. Um, they're de- they're they definitely in of- transition. They got a new coach, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they have all of these assets um, for the future. So they could go in a lot of different directions. And and there's a lot of new people involved with the organization, Stan Van Gundy, David Griffin. Um, So, yeah, I mean, here's one that I had on it, because if you'll remember back to the beginning of last year, David Griffin was really trying to make it that it was Drew Holiday's team, not Zion's team. In other words, he kind of wanted to launch Zion's career with kind of like training wheels on the bicycle, right, to make sure that there wasn't all that pressure on him. And I think that was pretty smart at the time. But now you've got Zion coming into year two, already showing he can have an all-star level impact when he's healthy and on the court and kind of used to it. And you're also going into a year where you can't have fans in your building, right? So, like, does the value of this, like, on-court leadership and composure and veteran savvy, is that as important for this team this year compared to last year if you're just playing in empty gyms and it's kind of like a pickup game? You know, I would question that. Like, I I wonder if Drew Holiday just meant a lot more to the Pelicans last year than he theoretically would mean to them this upcoming year. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's an interesting point. I think that uh, we're going think, into the ravenous Utah Jazz <laughs> Arena where we're all and everyone's going. All the fans are going to be screaming at us. Oh wait, you can hear a pin drop in the three hundred level because there's nobody here. You know, it's like well, we don't, we don't no, need no, no. Drew yeah. to calm us down in that situation. You know, for for sure, you don't need that element of leadership, but you do need, I think, on a team where some of the younger players are the better players. You do need. I mean, there are egos still. There are. There is a locker room hierarchy, um, 
and having an experienced voice and a tempered voice like Drew Holiday in the Pelicans locker room as they go through this transition period is valuable, regardless of you know not going into oh, the hothouses. No, of the it, it's, a, it's a great point. Look, I mean, he's going to be valued if he stays there. I just think maybe he's a little bit more expendable. I think in previous years, they almost viewed him as an untouchable piece, right? Like, it's weird the internal perception of who he was compared to the external perception where everyone else is thinking like, oh, this is like a number three guy to put together on our team. And in New Orleans, it was always like, he's our rock. He's our foundation. Even when Anthony Davis was there, I think some people considered uh, Drew Holiday to kind of be like the leadership voice or the stable veteran. And so I think maybe that dynamic has just changed. I think it also helps you've got Stan Van Gundy. He's going to be a really darn loud uh, voice in that locker room, right? I think it's going to be a different presence um, than Alvin. Now, would he prefer to have some veterans that he can, uh, you know, speak to? I'm sure I, I, he's seems to be very pro JJ Redick and you know a few other guys. But again, are you as reliant upon your your team for that stuff this year mm-hmm. compared to last year? Who knows? And I also think like Zion's getting to the point where if he's ready or not. That's your team, right? From a leadership standpoint, when you're that good, you're that hyped, everybody's asking about you everywhere you go. Um, I think that transition's also well underway. So what type of teams, though, Michael, do you think would be interested in Drew? Are we talking about contenders looking for an extra piece? Are we talking about you know dilapidated franchises that need somebody to give them a level of respect? Are we looking at something in between, uh, you know, a second-tier team trying to boost mm-hmm. up a little bit? Who do you think makes the most sense? What types of teams? Yeah, right before I answer that question, I want to make one more point about Drew, if I may. Um, I feel like he is in this interesting, like the perception of him is very interesting in that uh, he had this terrific playoff series against the Portland Trailblazers a couple years ago where they sweep Portland and he's basically smothering Dame Lillard. And and if you just look at all the success Dame has had uh, since that series and how amazing he is like that defensive job I think just sticks in the minds of people so I just want to point out how powerful the playoffs are in our imagination and oh for uh, sure well <laughs> that goes back to don't judge a, a player on his best day or his worst day right that was yeah. his best series by far so you give him complete credit for it but what did he do in the playoffs this year right what did he do in the playoffs once Anthony Davis shut down for that season right they're not even there so you have to yep. take into account those data points as well. And that happens a lot, by the way, for guys in small markets, right, where their best moments do get highlighted by the national audience because people are actually tuning in. The day-to-day for a lot of the years in New Orleans with Drew Holiday, it's not his fault, but just like the day-to-day reality of that franchise has been a real slog. It's been a lot of losses. It's been a lot of head-scratching. Why aren't we better than we are? How come our defense is hopeless if we've got one of the best on, you know, on-ball defenders in the game? And again, it's not necessarily his fault, but he hasn't been that transformative presence that would lead you to call him a star uh, as you kind of open with asking that question. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, to answer your initial question here, when I think about Drew Holiday and trade partners, like I'm not really that interested in him unless I can win the championship next season. Wow. Is that do you think do you think that's going too far? Cuz I do think there's a lot of teams that are going to think that they can win the championship next season, particularly if they add a Drew Holiday who kind of fills a hole for them. Um you know, a team that is already very good, um but uh, you add someone with his defensive chops. You know, he probably should have been on the all-defensive team this year. Um, and just his ability to score, as we discussed his game earlier, like his skill set is really good when it's the third option on a good team, I think. Um, 
So those are the types of teams that I was looking at. Do you think like, I mean, obviously if you're rebuilding, you're not going after Drew Holiday given his age and his contract situation and the fact that he's a flight risk potentially. But like if you're in the middle tier or you're a team that is trying to even like not maybe not rebuilding in their eyes, but like trying to get better, trying to make a playoff push, like a team like Atlanta, which I tried to formulate, I tried to find like a fake trade with Atlanta because I think Atlanta will be very aggressive. Um, I just can't, I just can't get there with teams like that. Is do do you disagree or do you agree with that? Well, I think if I'm using like a liberal definition of going for a title, I kind of agree with you. I feel like the teams that make the most sense, you know, a lot of people would compare. Drew Holiday to Mike Conley in terms of both being like just slightly off the all-star radar, um, Mm. you know, both being solid two-way, really good, you know, veteran leaders for their teams, et cetera. So I could envision a team doing similar to what Utah did, which is cash in a couple assets, bring in Mike Conley and hope that he's the, you know, the the final piece to a really well-balanced starting five that can kind of push you into, um, you know, a deeper playoff run. Now, it didn't work out um, for Utah like that last year, but at least that was the concept. And part of the problem was Conley uh, fell off uh, a cliff a little bit during last season mm. and it wasn't who you necessarily wanted him to be. But that was the concept behind that trade. And I really liked that trade idea and, uh, you know, planning from Utah at the time. So I could yeah. see teams that are in a similar spot to them where, okay, you're not actually a tier one title contender Maybe you're in that second tier. Maybe you're actually in the top of that third tier, but you're hoping, you know, this is your window. You've got some other pieces who are carrying the heavy weight and, and Holiday is the guy to kind of push you over the top. So does that fit? Because I asked you to come up with your favorite fake trades. Does my description mm-hmm. fit with some of the teams that you've got on your list or no? Yeah, all of them. Um, wow, either, look at that, well, Michael. <laughs> Perfectly in sync. We're just two figure skaters out here spinning each other in the air. Yes, exactly. Um, either either better than the tier that uh, potentially better than the tier that you just described, or like knocking on the door of a team like Utah. Which I mean, I thought Utah was a title contender last season um, before the year actually began. Yeah, well, uh, you five thirty eight guys always do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Look, they. Sh- I mean, fully healthy. They looked really, really, really good on paper last year. I thought they were going to be a higher C than they wound up being. Um, and the Conley part is just a huge question heading into next season. Like, which version do we get, you know? Um, so mm-hmm. they probably deserve to be on the outskirts of that conversation right now. But I agree with you. It, it should be a pretty wide open race just because you've got a few teams that are going to be pacing themselves and all these weird variables that are throwing things off. So give me your number one fake trade. It doesn't have to be your, your favorite one, but if it is, all the better. So my first one is... With the Philadelphia 76ers. Oh, uh, so homecoming. A homecoming. Yep. And it's it's a very simple trade. Um, the type of player-for-player player swap that you just basically never see. And if this deal were to actually happen, I doubt it would be player-for-player, player, even though the player-for-player player machination actually does work. Um, but what I'm thinking is Drew Holiday for Tobias Harris. Straight-up swap. Wow. And my argument here for new orleans is you get slightly younger you get uh you're, you're not really losing any character tobias harris is a really high character player he has a good relationship already with stan van gundy which is kind of what attracted me the most to this proposition and then wait were they just in, add, were they in detroit together 
they were in Detroit together. Yes, that is correct. Okay. Got uh, it. Also, I believe in actually, Orlando together too, or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, th- I think so. Let me look this. Up. I know they. Is Stan Van Gundy his uncle, Michael? I mean, how long do these guys go back? <laughs> Um, so they were together in Detroit. They were not together in Orlando. Um, but you make this deal and you have Tobias Harris. What I, what I like is that again, like he's a little bit younger. He's 28 years old, but also he's locked in, uh, under contract for the next few years. And I think that having stability when you're a team as young as the New Orleans Pelicans are will be valuable. So as opposed to Drew Holiday, who can enter free agency, as we already mentioned, Tobias is just kind of a guy who's going to be there and you can depend on. And he's just a really solid basketball player. And I think that the fit could be fine with Zion and Brandon Ingram. And you could have a really intriguing front court there with a lot of different possibilities. Um, so, so give me Philly's you- side. Why is Philly interested in Drew Holiday? Well, Philly Philly just needs ball handlers, man. Yeah, I was going like, to say, need somebody ball- needs to dribble, right? Yeah, they need ball handlers. This is just like a... a, a a 3.0 version of Josh Richardson. Like it's just so much better in every single possible way. And whenever I look at the uh, Philadelphia 76ers, I just, I think that Tobias Harris has a slight overlap positionally with Ben Simmons. And I don't know how Doc Rivers is going to work this out. And, you know, Brett Brown wanted to play Ben Simmons at the four heading into the bubble, as we know. We didn't really get to see that because of injuries, but like a Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid front court with three guards uh, or just three players who can all dribble, pass and shoot really well. I think that is their recipe for success at the end of the day. So I like Drew just, I'd like his fit a little bit more. I like his playmaking ability, him running pick and roll with Embiid could get really interesting. He's not like a super duper spot up three point shooter. Um, but you just have to respect Drew Holiday when you can't just like leave Drew Holiday wide open. He's too smart, um, cutting and all of that. So um, that's why, I mean, I just think it's a really clean trade. What are your thoughts? Well, Michael, usually I kind of poo-poo your ideas, don't I? I mean, a lot mm-hmm. of the time I, I'm maybe more negative than usual on a lot of your trade <laughs> ideas. I like this one a lot. Um, I'll say this. First of all, if I was Philly, I would do it. If I was New Orleans, I would want sweeteners. I would want a pick or I'd want something else good to go along with it because I think I would just try to say, look, like the the value of Drew's skills relative to the average player at his position is higher than the value, uh, the value of Tobias Harris's skills um, to the rest of his position, right? You know, I, I just think that, um, you know, with Harris – I think that a lot of what he's he does is just empty empty calories, right? I mean, he obviously he can space the court. I don't think he's a great defensive player. I don't think he's a great playmaker for his teammates. I don't think he makes other people better. He's out there, <laughs> right? He's out there. So to me, I would want a little bit more in return, uh, just whether it's picks or whatever, but I would definitely be open to the concept. Now, from Philly's perspective, I would definitely do it. It addresses mm-hmm. their biggest weakness. I think Harris has got to be considered expendable. I think that you can't, um, it also flattens out your salary distribution, right? So you're not spending so much money on the three, four, five positions uh, between Harris, uh, Simmons, Embiid, and Horford. So that's helpful. And then it also potentially saves some other additional assets that you could attach to Horford and try to get rid of him. So it starts to unclog the picture to me, even if you're not actually saving that much money, because 
Holiday's got a, a really big salary himself. <clears throat> I just think it puts their books into a better overall spot. So, um, so far, so good. I mean, would you view Philly as a title contender if they made this trade alone? Yeah, I would. I think it's a massive upgrade because I think, I mean, I think, I still think that they would need to move Horford. I think the Horford they thing have is to just trade still, Horford, but their defense yeah. would be nice, man. And like, look, they were underperforming last year. They should have been better than they were. But if you've got Simmons, Holiday, and Embiid as your three core defensive pieces, and that's you an all defensive team. Yeah, right there. <laughs> right there. Yeah, you're, you're, and, and Richardson's good too, right? And so if you just find a better fitting piece, a more versatile piece than Horford, you're absolutely set there. You're in a great spot. I think my bigger question just from, a, I guess, uh, you know, New Orleans' side would be, is there enough room for Harris and Ingram? Do those guys start mm-hmm. to clash a little bit? And then you already have yeah. this idea of, you know, Zion versus Ingram. Whose team is it? How does the pecking order work? Can they work together? And you're dropping in another player in Harris who needs, you know, at least some shots. And if he doesn't get shots and he's giving you absolutely nothing, I just worry, like if Ingram was a better playmaker for his teammates, I know he's tried to make some progress there, but I just still don't really see that as being like a natural skill set for him. I would feel a little bit better about it. Um, But I would worry that, you know, perhaps that's a little bit, you know, too much duplication in skills, but... You, mm-hmm. When you trade for Tobias Harris, you're not trading for him forever. This guy gets moved every 18 months. So, you know, it's also <laughs> like that can be a short-term solution where if you're able to pick up some uh, draft picks along the way from Philly, you're feeling good about it. Yeah, and for the record, I had in my outline here, I wrote in parentheses that uh, New Orleans should ask for a draft pick as well. So we are on, we're just like linked up right now on the exact same page. I'm saying figure skating. Across the board. Olympics, we're coming. Winter Olympics, we're coming. All right. Give me your fake trade number two. If it's as good as fake trade number one, Michael, uh, we're going to have to alert the authorities and see if we can get you in charge of some of these moves. So for the second one, you know, I'm stealing a little bit from a previous episode and a fake trade that we created for a different player. Um, but I just, the, the similarities were too good to pass up. And I actually like this one a lot more. And I'm way more excited about this one than I was that other one. And what I'm talking about is Drew Holiday to the Milwaukee Bucks for Eric Bledsoe. Yes. Dante Milwaukee Vincenzo. says yes. Milwaukee says and yes. Tw- does, don't even give the me the 20- details. <laughs> You're saying we get rid of Eric Bledsoe? Do it. I, you know, I. I uh, this one is like I think that the the easy rebuttal is why would New Orleans do this and yeah, that's sorry. a really good I, I question. I started screaming there for a second. Can you give us the exact yeah, package again? It's Eric Bledsoe okay. and Dante Givincenzo and the twenty fourth pick in this year's draft. Um, and you know, if you're New Orleans. Uh, you get a draft pick, a first round draft pick. That's fun, I guess. Um, you get a young player who's who has playoff experience, who can play multiple positions and do a lot of intriguing things. And then, honestly, like Eric Bledsoe on a championship contender is not good. Eric Bledsoe on a team like New Orleans is like. I think he's a physical talent again, going back to what he used to be. And I think that even though he's I think he's older than 30 now. He's still a, an effective player at his position, and I would say probably league average at his position. So, like, him sharing a backcourt with Lonzo Ball, I mean, that's arguably right there one of the better defensive backcourts in basketball, and you can just do a lot of really interesting things. So 
I think well, it's a look, pretty look. I mean, intriguing I, I hear one what for you're both. Th- I hear what you're saying. You're not going to talk me into Alonzo Bledsoe backcourt. I mean, that that's <laughs> a, that's a bridge too far. Okay. Um, well, here can I can I weigh in briefly? Um, yeah. I think Milwaukee, like I'm, you know, jokingly saying, they say yes, right? If they yes. if they can make this trade without parting with who I would view their core guys as Giannis, Middleton, I would throw Lopez in there. Like if if they can do it with just the other scraps of their roster, they would do it. I think the problem here is that Bledsoe's contract is pretty darn bad, right? And I think you probably have to give even more if you're Milwaukee to compensate for that. Um, would you agree, or am I being too harsh? No, I I think if they were actually negotiating, that's exactly what would happen. I think that uh, you know New Orleans would ask for more future picks probably, and it would be tough to just turn that down especially i mean if you're milwaukee what this does is just make you the championship favorite right do you disagree with, i mean a drew holiday chris middleton Giannis antetokounmpo big no, three i'm, I'm licking it, my lips people can hear it on the other side as soon as you mentioned <laughs> milwaukee i just started screaming yes 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 and blacked out um no look it would it would be a very very helpful uh for Giannis, and it would make their defense awesome just like we talked about in the philly example and it would really help on offense. It would really help them in late game situations uh, because, you know, Bledsoe just throws a ball out of bounds every time he comes down the court and he <laughs> flings his body towards the rim and falls down on the ground. And like, that's actually not how you play great winning playoff basketball. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Milwaukee's all in, you know, for New Orleans, um, I'm being a little bit, you know, facetious and joking, you know, when you're trying to talk up their young backcourt. Again, I think if you're making this trade, though, isn't that just a transition? I mean, you have to look at Bledsoe and say he's not a long-term solution, right? No, absolutely not. Um, I mean, you do this trade because you get DiVincenzo, you get that pick and maybe another pick, another future pick that you can then have in your cache of assets. But like my point about Bledsoe is just like he's not – I just don't think that uh, – I think a lot of his struggles were contextual – and that facing, you know, he's talked about this before, like the anxiety of playing high pressure games. There, like, there won't be a lot of high pressure, excuse me, high stress games um, playing in New Orleans throughout the rest of this contract that he has. And so, like, that's where I'm coming from there. And I don't think that the the drop in this context, where the stakes are lower, is that significant for New Orleans going from Holiday to Eric Bledsoe. For sure. If you could pick up extra additional assets to offset that little drop in expectations, I think you're interested. Okay, mm-hmm. what is your third trade, uh, fake trade? So my third trade is <clears throat> with the Golden State Warriors. Wow. And this this is probably my favorite one just because I want I want next season, I want the Golden State Warriors to be like, a team with a like just a vengeance season from them. I think that you want would be them resurrected, so coming out of the yeah. graveyard as ghosts to haunt everybody. That's what you want. I realize that after five years of really loathing their existence as a basketball fan, um, and I'm, I was able to appreciate how great they were and everything. I just didn't like or enjoy the dominance. I realized that I think I think I miss them in the bubble. Like I had these like withdrawals where I was just like, I really wish I could watch Steph Curry and Clay Thompson play basketball right now. They're just so it's it's a lot of joy, it's a lot of entertainment, it's a thrill. 
I like the way they play. So um, good, I think even I the them. haters love them, Michael. So good, <laughs> even the haters love them. Uh, I'm with you. Look, who doesn't like to watch Steph Curry play, especially if he's got some pieces around him? So what's your idea here? How are you getting Holiday onto the, the Warriors? Please don't tell me it's an Andrew Wiggins trade because uh, the Pelicans already have Andrew Wiggins and Brandon Ingram, although he's a slightly <laughs> oh, different version. Oh, jeez. Come on. Oh, my. I can't, I can't let that one slide. Look, I, no, that's no, no, a no, tease. No. Remember, people used to compare those two guys year after year after year, and Ingram has taken off for sure. Ing- uh, Wiggins has, uh, has flatlined, but that now starts to sound like way too many duplicated uh, skills if you're going to trade Wiggins back to uh, New Orleans. Okay, so the, the the trade is Drew Holiday for Andrew Wiggins and... 14 um, draft picks? What are we doing? Well, just one that I have here, and it's Minnesota's top three protected pick in 2021. Oh, wow. I wouldn't do that. Unpro- now, now, how about... Which, how, can we do number two this year instead? Well, do you think... I'm looking at it from New Orleans perspective, honestly, because I got I to gotta swallow... Andrew Wiggins contract right now so I want a very juicy asset and I just think that this works great for both sides because I put Drew Holiday on the Golden State Warriors and like it's just perfection like I I, I that like I said it earlier at the top like I don't think he can be a second option on a championship contender he's more better served as a third here he would be like fourth in terms of touches maybe or i mean clay thompson doesn't touch the ball a ton he just shoots it a ton um but like the 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 running steph off screens playing steph and clay off the ball having drew holiday kind of orchestrate offense letting draymond do his thing on transition and everything like i just think like golden state's offense would be absolutely incredible um so you're almost envisioning drew kind of like in the younger shorter andre iguodala mode maybe or like a sean livingston type mode where that's you've, perfect. You've got yeah. the high IQ. You're not asking them to do a ton, but he's going to make good decisions, and he lets you know Steph and Clay just go absolutely crazy. So you're lining up Steph, Drew, Clay at the three, Draymond. That's a pretty nice team, you know. And those guys are all right in line uh, from an age perspective. I think that Drew would cherish the opportunity to play on a team with like championship aspirations. They'd probably be right there in that mix. If you're Golden State, I mean, you mentioned that is an absolutely attractive incredible asset that they would be giving up the following year would you be willing to give up that pick which we know is going to be pretty high because the Timberwolves are just kind of stuck you know in the the bottom of the Western Conference seemingly without too much upward mobility potential would you be willing to give that up for a guy who isn't technically a star are you are you saying Mm. the fit is so good that you would be willing to cash in now I mean that's the nature of all of this like the risk right there Right. Like if you wait too long, maybe you don't get a player as good as Drew who hits the market that lets you spend this asset in a trade. Right. So like you could roll the dice and hold on to that asset and then trade it later. But I I mean, the fact that it's the fact that it's top three protected in 2021 means, as you said, Minnesota is terrible. So with everybody else trying to win basketball games in the short term, like that could roll over to 2022 when it's unprotected. And by then, you know, Draymond's older, Clay's older, Steph's older. We don't know what they're going to look like in the future um, in a couple of years. So like, I just think there's a, there needs to be a little bit of a sense of urgency here. 
not like this isn't a panic move at all by any means. And, you know, you still have the second overall pick in this year's draft to kind of have a have a bridge talent if you want to spend it on someone like James Weissman or something like that. Um, so I don't know. I, I think that it's potentially an overpay just like if we're looking at if we're weighing oh that's actually definitely an overpay if we're kind of weighing these assets just in a vacuum but for the 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 context of golden state where they're at as an organization all they've accomplished what their ceiling is going forward if you add someone like holiday to the equation i just think it makes a lot of sense for them yeah man you brought your a plus work um i can see where you're going on that if i was new orleans um i would be very tempted by that pick I would also, you know, they do face kind of a question here, though, is do they want to be younger than Zion, right? Like this idea that, okay, you know, when you have a player like that on the clock, right? Um, and they went yep. through this with the Anthony Davis situation, too. Like you're pretty confident you're going to have Zion for eight years, right? I mean, that's that's pretty much what you can expect. Year one's already gone. Year two is coming up. You don't want him three quarters of the way through his rookie deal or nearing the end of his rookie deal when you're getting the best possible value from him before you have to pay him the big extension and you know still be selling him this idea of like oh yeah well we're bringing in this hot shot guy who went one and done in college and he's going to be your new superstar you know tandem um that could get tricky like i do feel like new orleans as much as they're going to want to try to preach like slow gradual organic building effort I do think when you're a small market team like that and you have a star as big as Zion, who imagine if he went to the Lakers, imagine if he went to you know any of these glamour franchises, what kind of a huge international icon he would be, uh, you feel a level of pressure to not get too young, to not take it too slow, to make sure you can get him into a winning organization and, and situation right now. Mm-hmm. So I think from that standpoint... The ideas that you you had in the first couple of trades, where you're at least giving him some veteran pieces to work with, and, and making sure that they can take a step forward, and and possibly like hopping into the, um, the the playoff chase this year, I think that would be a really big symbolic victory for them, and they would really cherish that. So those kinds of trades, I, th- I think, make sense. Even if I think from an asset standpoint, that pick you included from Golden State is probably the best single piece of any of these trades that you came up with. So. Uh, New Orleans, it just it kind of it just like frames this debate for them, right? Are, how fast do they want to be good? And, and they should have these kinds of options on the table for them. And it'll be uh, really fascinating to see how they view their timeline if they do make one of these deals. Well, the, I mean, that gets to the question of why are you trading Drew Holiday in the first place, right? Like uh, having someone who's as good as he is. Um, like I understand the the economic urgency and his contract situation and everything, and this is probably where you're going to get the most value for him because you're not going to re-sign him to his next deal most likely. But I totally hear what you're saying, where you do not want Zion Williamson's experience in New Orleans to replicate what Anthony Davis went through, where you're just you're bad <laughs> every year. Um, so just don't sign Tyreek Evans. I guess is the the message that. New Orleans brass should should take. I think they're going to be able to avoid that one uh, here going forward. Uh, <laughs> there are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn. Alliances will shift and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash the shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Gotta get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. Michael, I want to get uh, some quick hitting uh, trade ideas from you as well. We've talked, uh, you know, in, in circles here all about different options for Drew Holiday. He's kind of the name of the day. If we're looking forward here to the next month when free agency starts to open and, you know, some moves start to be made, give me your top three players that you want to see traded. And this doesn't mean they're going to be traded. This doesn't mean that you've got fake trades concocted. Just guys who are in situations that you wish were different and that maybe if you if you think that if they were traded, it would be better for the league, it would be better for us as analysts, it would be better for our listeners as fans, it would just make things more interesting or just maybe more harmonious. Do you have three names in mind? I do have three names in mind. I'm so glad you asked, Ben. Um, my first name is someone who's just like a he's one of those players who I think I like more than just about everybody else and um multiple time all-star uh extremely productive he's probably slash definitely over the hill in terms of what he was when he was what he was doing when he was in his prime but still a very good player um and that is LaMarcus Aldridge um Ooh, good one I really just don't see anything relevant going on in San Antonio. And I know we're going to probably talk about them later in this episode. Their situation is pretty bleak right now. Um, And he's not good enough at this point in his career to carry a team to the playoffs. As as intriguing as DeJounte Murray is, DeJounte Murray, who I I adored heading into last season, uh, Derek White, um, all of the great play that he displayed um, 
in the bubble. They have some other young pieces. DeMar DeRozan's probably going to opt into his player option. But I just don't think that San Antonio is going to make the playoffs next year. Um, so I would just like to see LaMarcus like elsewhere because I still think that he's really good. And I think he could help. Um, I, I don't know in what role or specifically what team. Um, or even if he's like, do you think he's he's still good enough to be like the third best option on a championship contender i i think maybe but i just would like to see him have that opportunity somewhere else uh yeah he could be the third if if lebron and ad are the top (laughs) (laughs) uh no i i hear what you're saying can i ask you did you find san antonio without him in the bubble to be a more entertaining team than they were with him (laughs) so i I think that has to factor into it too right I mean, they were very tied to playing his way and working around his skills, and he's still very effective, but as you're mentioning, not quite good enough to get a team over the hump, and it was sort of an addition by subtraction situation, I thought, where everybody else looked loose, the ball moved a lot better, they had way better spacing, way better pace, they looked more modern, the players looked like they were having a good time enjoying each other's Mm -hmm. company and all that stuff. And I think all that matters if you're trying to kind of visualize what does the next era of the Spurs look like, it definitely doesn't include Aldridge. And to me, it doesn't include DeRozan either. So I second your nomination here on Aldridge being on the trade block and uh, that being a wise move for San Antonio. Who else do you have on your list? My next guy is a former LaMarcus Aldridge teammate. Um, going back to his time with the Portland Trailblazers, um, it is CJ McCollum. Wow. Um, CJ, you know, like, I guess I'm just sick of, I, I, first of all, I like, I have the, I, I think CJ is tremendous. I like what he brings to the table. Um, I, I like his game offensively. He's one of the better shot creators in the world. My thing is like, I just, how many times are we going to go through it and, and roll the ball out with, Dame and CJ as a backcourt and I think they're both tremendous I just think it's really difficult to win four straight playoff series or three straight playoff series in the Western Conference with such issues on the defensive end like what like I just and he just see it's not that he's wasted there because he's the second option on a team that basically always makes the playoffs or is really competitive um I just want to see him elsewhere I just want to see him elsewhere. It's tricky because it goes back to like, what's the goals of your organization, right? If if your organization's in a small market, you know, mm-hmm. um, you have a superstar level guy in Damian Lillard who you're playing the supermax uh, money to, CJ and him get along well, they're effective, it's a winning formula, mm-hmm. you're making the playoffs, the fan base is happy, you're selling tickets, you have a you know you have a lot more reason to just kind of keep running it back as long as you possibly can until it's proven that it's completely broken then i think from outside perspective we would say come on this team's never going to win a title so like swing for the fences try to do something bigger so i think there's a gap there between internal goals and maybe external goals for um you know what a team mm-hmm. could look like without him traded i think you know, to a certain degree, I question whether he falls into a similar camp with Drew Holiday, where if you did it's like trade the inverse, him, almost, yeah, yeah. Well, in terms of skill set, but I guess I, what I meant yeah. is like not quite a star. And then if you traded him, are you getting a little bit less back than you would hope for, right? Like just you know some of those trade packages you were coming up with, like Tobias Harris, right, or uh, uh, you know Eric Bledsoe trade. Like if that was the deal for CJ McCollum that Portland was getting back, we would say. 
that team's not going anywhere in the playoffs. Like, you know, he throw Tobias. They already have Tobias Harris. His name is Carmelo Anthony. He's seven years older, you know? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess I would just be um, – I would be hesitant and I would I would probably drive a hard bargain if I was Portland to trade CJ. And that would, you know, resign me to a fate where, you know, you're probably going out in the first round just like every year. But I would also not want to take the benefits of him being there for granted in pursuit of a title that, you know, may not – uh, you know, really be possible. I mean, ultimately, like, I think they're limited by their front court. If Nurkic can come back and be 100% healthy, consistent, and a monster, and Zach Collins can actually stay healthy and be really good, that team actually has some ceiling, right? Um, if not, then all of this is kind of hot air. But uh, would you like to see CJ have his own team? Are you in that camp? Or do you just want to see no, it sh- no. sh- shake it up? <laughs> no, I, I, he's not on that level to have his own team. I just think there's a lot of squads, particularly in the Eastern Conference, who could use his ability to just rise up from anywhere, be at the mid-range, be it behind the three-point line, um, and just hit a shot like in crunch time in the fourth quarter. Well, um, that's another great comparison point for Drew Holiday. He'd be an Eastern Conference All-Star. If you throw C.J. McCollum in the East, mm-hmm. 100% he's an All-Star. There, there's no question. All right, give me your last guy you want traded. So this is not a star, um, and I actually have a fake trade that is, I don't think, very realistic, but the spirit of it is uh, really intriguing to me. Um, Sounded so like the Phil player, Jackson over here. Okay. <laughs> I'm the Zen master today. Um, the, the, the player in question is PJ Tucker, um, and I guess... I'm saying that because I have all but given up. <laughs> I would love to see PJ Tucker traded. That guy deserves a new home, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it's 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 different in Houston um, now, and you know, Harden is still there, and that's there's still some of the same personnel right now, I suppose. But the guy who went there um, uh, a couple years ago to win a title like that just it's just a different situation now and his role is different as his value is different to them uh, so I just would like to see PJ elsewhere and the team and the so I have a I have another one-for-one swap that I just I think is really fascinating and I again I don't think it will ever happen but what do you think about PJ Tucker to the Atlanta Hawks for DeAndre Hunter? I think if, look, that would be just a great Tillman Fertitta move to just completely (laughs) demoralize and depress the fan base. They'd all be like, who? We were supposed to make a statue of P.J. Tucker, and now you're giving us this guy we've never heard of? Um, I think you got to do better for P.J. Tucker. I know that might be a blog boy take for me, but that guy is really, really valuable. Mm -hmm. I... I don't know if I'm sold yet on DeAndre Hunter. Um, I guess make the case for him. Well, so what I'm thinking here is basically just if you're Atlanta, you're a team that is completely – like I tried to concoct a – as I said earlier, I tried to concoct a fake Drew Holiday trade with Atlanta because I think Atlanta is going to be really aggressive and try to get better in the short term. They really want to make the playoffs. Uh, Trey Young started in the All-Star game. He's really good. Um so adding a piece like P.J. Tucker is just – you add immediate credibility. You add someone who uh, – veteran presence has played in humongous games against really great competition. I think his his influence would rub off on everybody else who's still there who's young, um, most notably someone like John Collins. Um, 
and he's a guy who doesn't need the ball. He's a guy who stands in the corner and shoots threes. That's what he's excelled at the past couple of years with James Harden, uh, doing basically everything on offense. And then defensively, he's just like, again, he's a culture tone setter. So I just think he would do a lot for your team in the short term to kind of propel you forward. And I think Atlanta should have their sights on the playoffs next season as bad as they were this year. Um and like, Strong argument. I don't like it for P.J. Tucker. I want him on a contender. I want him finally getting uh, a look. Let's get him on to a team that's like an A-list group. Let's completely ring chase. Let's have all those days of him digging out the post defense and standing in the corner and watching Harden, never getting injured night after night after night doing the dirty work. Let's have that all pay off. If I could like just magically wave a wand and put him on a team – that team would be the Los Angeles Clippers, like, to be clear. Wow. But, well, yeah, I mean, it would be amazing. Like, that is, that's the exact type of person that the Clippers, I think, need next season. You know who Um, should trade for him is your guys. Um. Well, they already have Marcus Smart, so well, there's just, just you. You yeah, can't have, have too much of that. PJ at the five, Marcus Smart at the four. That's a squad. <laughs> no, it, it is right. They, I, I think that you, you're kind of you. You talked earlier about kind of duplicating skill sets. If you already have Grant Williams, it's like there's only so many minutes for guys like that. But don't insult um, PJ Tucker by <laughs> mentioning Grant Williams in the same sentence as him, Michael. Come on, can I give you my top three here quickly? I would. I would love to hear it. Well, you came up with very nuanced and um, interesting picks from different, you know, uh, classes of players, you know, superstars, uh, number two guys and and so forth and, and different places around the league. I scoured the list of players and I came back to three usual suspects and they've all been linked together. And the more I think about it, the more I want to see all of them in different spots next year. Are you ready? I'm ready. Chris Paul, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. All three need to be traded. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, I think when I look at the Chris Paul situation, I mean, there's been kind of talk, What what is Oklahoma City trying to do? They still haven't even hired the coach, right? It's just a weird situation. There's been rumors, oh, does Chris Paul want to be in LA? Does he want to be in New York? I think actually for your personal benefit, Michael, I want to see Chris Paul traded to the Knicks. I want him to go through that old man veteran wisdom season with a whole bunch of young guys. He teaches R.J. Barrett about life, buys him a bunch of nice suits and acts as the mentor and all that stuff. And I, I want that storyline for you so you can document it and have something you know positive going on in your life here uh, during the <laughs> pandemic. I can just see you kind of mm-hmm. budding up to Chris Paul after every single game and you know, maybe, uh, you know, getting some, you know, details about the future labor negotiations and all that. So I want that one for you. And I also think, personally, I'd like to see Shea run his own team in OKC. Why not? Take the training wheels off. See what happens. There's going to be some, you know, uh, some stumbles, but let's do it. Let's just, uh, let's see what this guy's potential really is. And hopefully you can get a lot back if you're OKC. And I just love it whenever Sam Presti trades a star because he always winds up just making it look ridiculously good three years later. So you said that, you know, you poo-pooed slightly my P.J. Tucker proposal because you want P.J. Tucker to win a championship and be in that situation. I'm That's how I feel about Chris Paul. I don't want to see Chris Paul on the Knicks. That's well, he terrible. Are, he already has his championship. It was the last contract he signed, okay? <laughs> like, Jesus. That thing was gigantic. <laughs> it's a little harder to trade him to a contender mm-hmm. given the size of that contract. That's the only reason why I'm, I'm saying... 
the Knicks. I mean, you could trade them other places. I just, I personally, that was my gift to you. Okay. Now, in terms of Harden and Westbrook, we don't need to belabor this point, but I just worry that, you know, sometimes the music musicians hang on a little bit too long, right? And then they start doing the clubs in Vegas. <laughs> And then they start doing the casinos in the California desert, right? And then in just kind of the the lower, t- it just keeps kind of dropping and dropping in quality. And eventually it's just sad and no one's going to their shows. I just worry that's what's going to happen with Harden. If he doesn't have his coach, doesn't have his GM, doesn't have the supporting cast right, they do have to trade Tucker potentially. Like, I think it could get dark. I just don't want to see it. I want him to get out in front of that and just remold and, and do it somewhere else. So that's why I want him traded. With Westbrook... I just think it would be funny if Tillman traded both of his stars after complaining about their salaries to President Trump. I just think that would be just an amazing way for, <laughs> for the, the Rockets season to come full circle. Um, not a lot of other analysis uh, beyond that. Although it would almost be incredible if they traded Harden but not Westbrook and, and like Rockets fans just had to live like the Westbrook experience and that's all they had. Oof. I mean, that would really... I mean, look, even if fans were allowed in the building, right? How many tickets are they selling to that? Who knows? Um, I'm not necessarily like rooting for the implosion of the Rockets, but I just do think it's better for everybody if they can find a way to uh, to get in front of this thing. So those are the three guys I want to see traded. Not necessarily the most original opinions for me because those I think uh, we've talked about them quite a bit, but I'm just fixated on them, man. Like I, I'm just dreading that Houston Rockets experience going into the next season. Man, um I mean, the more I think about Russell Westbrook's situation and the like, I I can't even really fathom like a spot for him. Like maybe like Orlando, him and Orlando being the point guard, doing what like filling the the the, the role that Markel Fultz had last season. Like I just man, um, Westbrook is really bleak. Just you know, obviously, I I think he's better than the player that we saw in that Lakers series for a variety of reasons. I don't think that necessarily he'll be he'll ever be the guy who we saw before the season shut down when he looked like a borderline MVP candidate. I think that those days are just behind him. I could be wrong, but I do think Narrator, the days of him you were not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I, you know, I don't think that uh I just have no idea what role is right for him. And and this we haven't even talked money yet, or at least I haven't even brought it up. And his contract is just, it is an albatross. So uh, that's a bleak one. I, I, I Wait, can I ask you a quick question? Just kind of, you know, tangentially related to James Harden slash very much related and connected to him. I would love um, it if you asked me a question, Michael, please. What was your reaction when you first saw that the Philadelphia 76ers were reportedly interested in uh, (laughs) acquiring James Harden? Um, I mean, you know, silent fist pump for sure. Um, (laughs) You know, it it feels too good to be true. I told you that the first love of Daryl Morey's life is James Harden, you know, and questionably, you know, in in contention with his family. But, you know, I think it's pretty close there. Um, (laughs) So the interest factor there would not surprise me at all. I wonder would Tillman's pride get in the way, you know? Um, even if Daryl's giving him the best possible deal, can he do it? Uh, that's oh, that's yeah, that's tough, why it'll man. never happen. Yeah, that's that's a tough hang-up. Uh, there's no question. So we'll have to um, we'll have to see a play out. But it does seem, you know, to, to put all these uh, speculation aside, it seems like Houston's pretty committed to Harden at least for the next year, uh, from what you know I've been hearing and and reading various places. So 
um, you know, I, I may not get my wish, but uh, we shall see. All right, Michael, I want to close this episode out with one more question quickly. It comes in from Michael in Ta- uh, Tasmania. He writes, the draft is almost upon us, and it got me thinking. What pressure do you think front offices will be under to nail the draft? Will fans be more understanding for blowing a pick given the broken season, lack of consensus, minimal workouts? Or will fans expect more because teams have had so much longer to scout? Or will it be business as usual with executives praised for a great pick and the Knicks getting killed again for making their 857th terrible pick? It's a great question. I'd like to know your um, your takes. And I'd also be curious, do you feel like there are any particular organizations this year that are under significant pressure in this particular draft, uh, whether because of where they're picking or just a need to get over the hump? Or is this kind of a write-off draft, um, which I think is how a lot of people have been uh, treating it so far? Yeah, I mean, I mean to answer the question, first of all, I, I just don't think the that pressure ch- changes because the, of this being such a strange year. I mean, the NBA is a results-oriented business. People are going to expect you to not screw up your draft pick regardless. I mean, everybody has to deal with the same circumstances. It's very similar to competing in the bubble. That's what, that's what we said that entire time. Um, and with regards to which teams are under the most pressure, I mean, it has to... It has to be, I think, Minnesota, to be honest with you. Um, I think the Carl Anthony Towns situation, you want to talk about a superstar, or I should say, a, I don't want to call him a superstar, but a very, very, very good player who's getting paid a lot of money right now. Um, him being on the clock um, and potentially him wanting out of Minnesota, despite you trading uh, valuable assets to get his his good friend D'Angelo Russell aboard. I mean, this pick is is huge for you. Um, I don't think necessarily that you know you're going to form a big three with Towns, Russell, and whoever you take here. Um, I think that 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 rookie first overall pick could be a really interesting trade asset for you as you try to get better and better. But when I just look at Rosas and that front office, I I feel like. Uh, you can't screw up a first overall pick regardless of who is available, regardless of how your roster looks. It, it, it just, it, it, it eats at you for years on down the road. So that's the team that I would say is the most pressure on them to hit this. You want to get the best player in the draft three years from now. You want to look back and be like, we took the right guy. Uh, well said. I think that in general, uh, to answer Michael's question uh, in, in Tasmania, I would say that there's going to be less attention on this year's draft because it doesn't come at a time of the uh, sports calendar when it's sort of like the focus of the world, right? Um, mm-hmm. With football and college football going on right now, I think it's going to just get less attention. Without the guys being able to go to New York and have the whole ceremony, it's just going to be yep. a, a worse feel. So I think you know, there will be lowered expectations there. I also think that a lot of times fan bases get excited and have the expectations for the rookies because – they want to go see him in person, right? It's like, let's go see the, the the shiny new toy. That's why everybody runs out to Las Vegas Summer League, get a first glimpse at Lonzo Ball or Zion Williamson or whoever it might be. That aspect to this year's cycle won't be there either. So I do think it's going to be a little bit less pressure than usual. Now, 
if your team just drafts a lemon and it's obvious three months in, you're going to hear about it from your fan base, especially online. You know, there's no question there. But um, I think that it's just a, a more muted year this year uh, with the NBA draft. Now, in terms of answering my question, which uh, organizations face the most pressure, you identified my number one candidate. That would obviously be mm-hmm. Minnesota. They're at the top of the list. I think in part because you know, Gerson's still trying to make a name for himself, right? You know, he, he comes over from Houston. He spends all that time chasing Russell. He finally gets Russell. But now this is sort of like a defining pick. If you nail this pick, mm-hmm. people will remember it, and it will buy you probably five years of goodwill. If you miss this pick, people are going to start looking the other direction and saying, come on, man, like you traded a lot for Russell. You traded away next year's pick, right? Um, you had the number one pick. You couldn't blow it. So how he handles this, whether he looks for trades, whether he just takes somebody, I think is going to be just a very defining moment for his career. So that's number one. Um, the second team I would throw into this category facing pressure would be the Chicago Bulls. They have the fourth mm. pick. They have a brand new front office. Similar reasoning here. Um, Arturis, you know, he's coming in to a situation where Bulls fans have had like 15 years of pent up, built up angst and frustration about Gar Packs, and they haven't mm-hmm. really had that big draft win at any point here over the last five years, right? There's a lot of guys who are interesting players, maybe uh, slightly disappointing once they get on the court. They haven't really fit together. They're still waiting on Wendell Carter and, and those kinds no, of things. No clear star. No clear star. Yeah. No clear star. And so here you have a top five pick and it's you know not a great draft, but you could potentially get a LaMelo ball in that range or someone else. So if you're our tourist, show us what your um, your vision is, right? And show it, you know, again, just a defining pick for him uh, in terms of where their organization is going to go. It's the first piece he gets to build around as opposed to inheriting, right? And the third team I want to highlight um, would be the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think that they have been kind of left for dead after LeBron left, right? And you look at some of the players they've picked, whether it's uh, you know Garland, Sexton, do those guys fit together? Do they make each other better? That, that's an open question to me. And I just think that you know that front office is going to start having some you know answering to do if they can't start showing some progress here, right? Some some meaningful progress because it's been a really rough watch these last couple of years. And again, they're, they've got a top five pick. And so if your ownership, you're saying, hey, come on, guys, like no excuses here. Let's put this thing together. There's also just been some weird, like going for Drummond, like what? You know, I, I didn't, I don't really understand what they're thinking there. So, um, you know, to me, it, it just feels like they are out there in the deep ocean water trying to keep their their head above the surf and you know struggling a little bit and maybe half drowning with some of these decisions and so this pick could be the life preserver they need or it could be the ankle weight that drags them down further right so i think that again those three teams i'm especially watching on draft night because i just think there's implications for their front offices in terms of how we view them not only this year but say the next two to three years going forward yeah, I know. That's a really good point about Cleveland. I, I forgot that the Cavaliers existed personally. Perfect. Well, wonderful. Now they are back in the NBA and ready to rock. I haven't played a game <laughs> since March. Uh, guess who's back? Back again. All right, Michael. Um, I think that that's enough for another episode of Open Floor. But guys, you can find us on Apple Podcasts by searching for Open Floor. That's two words. When you find our play page, would you help us out? Um, rate and review. All you got to do is hit uh, five stars. It's just that simple to help us spread the word and leave a nice note. Say, Michael's doing a great job. We love the pod. He's been great. Um, you know, give us a little bit of positive affirmation here after what's been a really wild week in the United States of America. Michael's on Twitter and Instagram at Michael V. 
is in Victor Pina. I'm on Instagram at Ben.Golliver, on Twitter at Ben Golliver. And do not forget, guys, email questions in. We've got a whole bunch more that we didn't get to today. We'll roll those over to next week. Openfloormail at gmail.com. Openfloormail at gmail.com. We want to hear your fake trades. We want to hear the players you want to see traded. We want to hear the front offices that you believe are facing the most pressure in this upcoming draft. Michael, until next week, when I imagine we may have an NBA labor deal to discuss and we may be on track to start that 2020-2021 season, I will talk to you. And a new president. Talk soon, Ben. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.